0: Stanley slowly ran the over my a second time, closely following the movement with his eyes. Am I doing it right? He asked. I moved my leg to. How are you so good at that? I sighed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. the possibilities. Fisher Price, right? There it is. <laughs> Love you, Stanley. Love you, the Tooch. (laughs) Hi, Nicole. Hi, (laughs) Bim. What was that voice? (laughs) That was I don't weird know. And bright I'm trying
1: to, you know, power through It's definitely a manic Monday And okay. I've got my red lipstick on To make sure I was sure. going to say yeah. you're, you're
0: matching with your top It's very yeah. fancy
1: Thank you, I appreciate that But you are in the closet With your tank <laughs> on and stuff Just like
0: let, let me tell you something <laughs> Podcasting is serious business And yes. I get very sweaty Because I'm a perpetually hot person I was born in winter But I think it's the wrong time Like I'm an accidental <laughs> Scorpio I should not be a winter child I am so hot all the time, slash so cold all the time, but at the wrong point of the year. Wait, I just realized, are you a Valentine's Day baby? Perhaps. It's disgusting. I don't want to think about it. Thank you so much. Um, Anyway, (laughs) back to the issue of the day. Yes. Um, I'm sweaty in this closet that I record in because uh, New York uh, housing is terrible, and so the apartment is uh, large, but all the closets are this big. They're mm. super tiny. So I just come in here and I swear. It's like my own version of ethical Bikram yoga. So I'm mostly <laughs> naked every time we record. Like I'm wearing as few clothes as possible. So you can imagine the challenge. Um <laughs> to keep decent for your eyes but I'm excited this week because I actually I put on lip gloss today Ooh. yeah I didn't quite match your red lipstick energy but I put on lip gloss today because other people were going to be seeing my face today yes yes <laughs> I'm very excited we have listen this season has been just I mean full of magic we've had Jason Manzuka's to begin the whole new run
1: right right which yeah. started a incredible love affair between the two of you you know
0: what we'd, we'd, we'd be grateful if you just respected our privacy at oh, this yes time. um thank you mm-hmm. us and rex we're just we're getting to know one another we're trying to understand how life works in a coastal <laughs> way anyway but like the second time i'm putting on lipstick is because we also have two amazing guests this week to come in and talk everything from friendship uh t- into thirst which as we know they are the same thing essentially it's about the <laughs> Law of attraction um the two hosts i am talking about of course are ann friedman and aminati so are you excited nicole
1: i am very excited we've been trying to make this happen for a year maybe
0: i think six I years know. i think yeah, it's, i think it like started that. when i was 12 and we've been trying ever since to kind of just like marry schedules and it's been difficult <laughs> it has
1: been difficult because you know what we are all busy and booked
0: okay and that <laughs> is a blessing oh, 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 oh. <laughs> love a bit of it um <laughs> Anyway, welcome to the show, Anne and Aminatu. Hello, hi, hi, Aww, hi. Can I just say, the creepiest part of me always wants to see inside people's homes. So, Anne, you are rocking the closet studio today. Love the folded clothes behind you. Love the hanging shirts. Amazing, <laughs> Aminatu. You have a plant in your face. Love it. Nature giving me black wild gardening. Love it.
2: Um, I feel really foolish that I did not wear a lipstick or a lip gloss, you know, because people were going to see my face. But I think it also just speaks to the level of comfort that I have that I'm literally wearing a (laughs) muumuu. I am wearing my, like, summer, no one has ever seen this outfit not in my house before. So I just want you to know that we are family now. (laughs)
0: But she's in
3: Moomoo's mode. That's it. Listen,
0: (laughs) there will come a point. I don't know when it's going to happen, but one day I'm going to turn up to a recording in my closet and there will not even be a bra inside. But that day is not today. Today I'm wearing a bra because I'm professional. But there will come a time when I will discard with that because fuck it, life's
2: so short, man. Who has the no time? masters, no bras, no Uh-oh. bras, no masters? <laughs> I tweeted that at the
0: beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> like, I, there's no. I literally, wow, word for word, I said, no masters, no. We're done. You can't take me back. Mm-mm. You taste. That I sweet have freedom.
2: I have not worn a bra since March 13th, March 12th. Wow. I Amazing. don't regret it. It's great, great I- lifestyle choice.
0: Lean into it. Lean in. It's exactly what Miss Sandberg was talking about, <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken. I read the book cover to cover. I think she was saying, Take off your bra. So, this is great. Uh, so, this week, we are going to be talking to the pair of you um, about a number of things. Most importantly, your new book called Big Friendship. Um, but in addition to all of that good stuff, we're going to be here for the primary purpose, which is, of course, thirst. Um, and I'm really excited to kind of get into it. I feel like in many ways you get glimpses into people's souls and a book is a very good way of doing that but another really good way is to kind of be like so how do you feel about x first object and you've sent us a list of people that you have uh strong feelings um in your areas for and I'm really excited for us to get into that. Nicole, it's a good list, isn't it?
1: It's a very good list and it features a lot of people that we have uh, talked about. But we wanted to talk about um, you know, give them full episodes. We just haven't made it yet to that uh-huh. point. But I'm I'm really excited. And it also features some people that we've talked about but we'll you know, always willing to talk about them some more.
0: Eh. That's right. At least one of them. I'm just kind of like, let's let's feature him every week. Like I'm here for it every single week. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so uh, get your glass of something refreshing and sweet um, if that's your cup of tea. And then we're going to settle in and begin.
1: All right, (laughs) Bim. Are you ready to get into this discussion about we've got like. Three, four, five, yeah.
0: seven, nine, <laughs> eleven.
1: <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm here for all of them. Let's let's talk about uh, the first person on this list who I'm not super familiar with. So this is going to be uh, an education for me. But we're going to talk about Tunde Adobempe from hey. TV on the radio.
0: Yes. All right. Uh, Aminatu, let's begin. You're fanning yourself. So I want you to kind of get into it ASAP.
2: I um, First of all, TV on the Radio was a really important band in my um, personal development as a younger person. <laughs> and I still remember the first time I saw them live and Tunde was performing uh, and it was so hot. First of all, black musicians all the way, all the way here for it. was like an indie band and so I would say that like in the you know the crowd of people that usually goes to see you know an indie band in Austin Texas where I was in college was like predominantly white and so my experience of going to these shows was always just like white people doing white music things that sometimes are very good that I appreciate but um, you know, having like a really having like a black presence on stage is something that I think for me was really transformative in the sense mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, I I I really was downplaying to myself how much it adds to my enjoyment of this band that there are black performers in it,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: also he is truly a multi hyphenate. You know, like he's yes. a musician, he's an actor, he's in this um, indie movie called uh, Rachel Getting Married. Yes, so, like, we're gonna talk the, about it. Yeah, the movie that turned. That turned my like the movie that made me like Anne Hathaway. I think um, if it's like possible to have a movie that does that for you, for me, what a legacy! <laughs> wow, yeah, what a, what a legacy, like a, le- a true legend. But in Rachel Getting Married, Tunde does a cover of uh, a Neil Young. I can't even get the words out. I'm like sweating just thinking about him. He is truly one of the handsomest humans we like. Yes. You know, we like walk the earth with. And he lives in Brooklyn, so occasionally I will see him around (sighs) the neighborhood.
0: A first object out in the streets? (laughs) <laughs> I know and
2: every time I'm about to run into a telephone pole like it's so embarrassing that he's definitely seen me drop my phone or hit my head or stare at him for too long with his family and truly I just want to say I am not just objectifying who you are physically as a person <laughs> even though I am I just like enjoy thoroughly everything about this person's like body of work and I'm so, so glad you added of
0: work I thought yes. you were <laughs> going to get it for the I'm
2: so sorry <laughs> I know, but I just I just am saying that because I think that for me thirst is tied so much into intellectually how I feel about someone, you mm-hmm. know? And so just being like, okay, I I love the way you sing, I like the choices that you make about art, I like how you talk about your work and also you are so easy on the eyes. Are you kidding me? He is Total so handsome. Package. He is yeah. so handsome.
0: He's classically <laughs> handsome. Like, it's just like a good, it's a good face, like, in a good, on a good body in, like, a good setting. I'm just like, oh, congrats. Like, well done. He should be sculpted. Yes, alright. I'm sweating, I'm sweating, I'm sweating. I don't talk. I never talk
2: about people like this in public and I am sweating. Oh, I'm
0: so glad we can facilitate this. Oh, I love this. And you were nodding enthusiastically oh. through that. Do you have uh, similar feelings for Mr. Adebimpe? My
3: thighs are quaking just talking about it. <laughs> I, I have to say that I, I know you all talk about a lot of thirst objects who are actors, mm-hmm. um, but there is something about... Um, being in the audience and watching this man perform his music that is like a very visceral experience that there is there is something that is a little bit different than you know watching a screen in front of you you know and I think one reason why he came to mind for both of us is that like we've both been in a very sweaty uh in-person <laughs> encounter granted not like you know, right up next to him. But like we've yeah. been in the same space and there is something whew, really um, very powerful about that. <laughs> can you can you talk about his charisma on stage and
1: what it is about Ooh. him? What, what makes him so captivating when he's up there?
3: Well, I think that um, for me at least, one reason why I love TV on the radio as a band is there's a real range, you know, like there's a tenderness, but then there is also some like really kind of raw, like, emotional stuff happening as well. And I think that being present for that range of emotion um, is, yeah, is intoxicating. Like, being able to see someone channel all of these different moods. And, you know, there is, like, um, there are stereotypes about, like, watching musicians perform and, like, their facial expressions being equated to what might be happening sexually. And one reason I know I am very attracted to this man is... That's not disgusting to me in this case. You know what I mean? Like sometimes <laughs> I, I, I picture like like the stereotypical like guy with electric guitar, and I'm just like, I don't want to see it. Like I don't want to see what's happening with your face right now. Like, no. Um, but but this is a that very so welcome. Fun. No. Yeah. But this is a very welcome kind of um, glimpse, shall we say, into what might be happening off stage.
0: Ooh, that is. So- cool cutely euphemistic you wouldn't know you just said some real filth you said that you know, in such a polite way I love your it. words
3: people you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that his concentration face is very enticing Wow mm. wow I like it I Wow like
0: it. you said that with your whole chest
2: whole chest whole chest no bra whole chest
1: <laughs> so i i have sh- struggled with my attraction to musicians particularly guitar players because i'm like that's so fucking corny that's just ridiculous no don't go there so i understand what you're saying when you're like you're trying not to like you know fall into that trap but sometimes you just have to you got to like trip over that little wire
0: it's mm. a trap for a reason. Here's the thing. Here's how I, here's how strongly I feel about today. Um, so years ago, I determined um, if I was ever going to get married, <laughs> lol, um, I would not change my name. Like, my name is mine. I've had it for this long. The SEO potential is spot on. No one else has my name. Like, I'm amazing. And I remember when I first saw him, I thought to myself, because also my full name, my full first name is Adebimpe, And I remember thinking, I would change my name for you. Like when I saw him and listened to him perform and I was like, oh, I would be called Adebimpe, Adebimpe, like for you and you alone. That would become my legal name for you. And that's what I thought to myself. Oh, wow. You really fancy this guy. And I was like, oh, shit, I do. Oh, I'm going to have a stupid name because I fancy this guy. Oh, my God. But yes, that's, that's, that for me has, is the bar that's so few clear. I'm just like, no, I love my name. Oh, no, I changed it for you. And I would be called the same name twice over for you, sir. Thank you.
2: Bim, that is so Nigerian. Isn't that is it? The most Nigerian, Nigerian-ness I have heard on this very Nigerian day.
0: Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for seeing me as I am. I rep Yoruba all day, every day, and sometimes it comes out on mic. But yes, that was very much my feeling for today. I love him so much. Like, he is so, like you said, for all the reasons. And i don't want to ever objectify and that's not what we do here we, we are all about the full body <clears throat> of work however when i see him i have like a fully visceral like i'm like oh shit let's let's have a family let's, let's i mean i want
2: to i, I want to address the corniness that nicole brought up because i do 100 percent agree with you and i think that for me usually my like the issue i have with like really sweating actors is that I'm like there's something so corny about this you're literally a performer and I'm not into it Uh Um, but I think that in Tunde's case and in the case of a lot of you know famous-ish people that I'm into, I think the way that I always justify it to myself is that they are, you know, like with Tuna, I'm like, he's an artist who happens to be a rock star,
3: (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) However you need to justify it to yourself. I'm like, he could
2: be doing, he could be doing anything. He could be doing anything. Could be a professor, could be whatever. But I'm like, he just happens to be so good at like being a musician that he is allowing this band to let him be in it. And so it's just... You know, I hear you though, and I think that that, that is the thing I struggle with a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, okay, so your, both of your attraction to Tunde, were those, did that happen individually or was it, did someone bring the other person along once you became friends or how did that, how does your crushes, how do your crushes on Tunde, uh I guess, fit into your friendship?
3: I would say that he is not a, you know how there are some, shared thirst objects that are just always ever-present, like in the, in the text thread or in the conversation, I would say, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Amina, but I would say this is sort of more like, you know, two parallel lines that don't intersect. We were both just appreciating in our own way, <laughs> on our own time, rather than jointly having an appreciation in the way that we do for, say, a Keanu. Mm, um, which
0: we will get to
3: right which doesn't lessen it you know I mean it's really I think this is one that was born of us um, thinking about coming on this show and it's like mm, who have we, ha- have we individually thirsted after and where do our lists align and they, in, they align in a lot of places and this is Toonday is one of them <laughs> Yeah, I think that the, you're, you're
2: absolutely correct about, um, you know, the Tunde example. Ugh, I'm sweating just saying his name out loud. Tunde <laughs> um, um But I also, I think that there is something so fun about um, realizing that your friend has, you know, like a similar, um, similar, like, sexual vibe as you, where you're just like, okay, great. You're like, um, I'm into this hypothetical, you know, like weird, famous, like uh, thirst trap object. And to have that be confirmed by someone else and it's not like a crush that you've developed together or it's not like a person that you were like simultaneously lusting over and then, you know, you're just like kind of building up the... They're like, okay, like, Anne is into this person. I think I could be into this person. There's so much of that that, w- that is just so such a fun part of friendship, and I think especially friendships with uh, between adults, when you can just say, okay, great, like, I really liked this band in college, you like this band too, and it turns out that we uh, both believe that um, this person is really smoking hot.
3: It's also kind of a way that I think, particularly in the early days of our friendship, we would we would we would tease each other, you know, like knowing each other's like preferences or like oh like this this semi famous person is totally your type was like a way we developed a little bit of rapport with each other and like you know have like some very funny long running jokes about like what type we are both attracted to even if that's not a hundred percent rooted in reality you know like <laughs> it is just like a fun sub narrative of this friendship.
1: So Bim and I, we have a lot of you know similar thirst objects you know crushes of course but there's always one person that likes this one guy more than the other and you know the other person is willing to step back if we were ever to be in a bar and you know the fates aligned <laughs> and that person showed up then you know like for Bim, obviously with Jason Mendoza, I would step away and let her have her moments you I know
0: appreciate
1: you so much. <laughs> I've never loved you more <laughs> who was that person or who other people that is that for for y'all that you're like okay I will bow down and let you have this person
2: because that's how much I love our
1: friendship
3: I'm thinking about this I would say
2: for me it's all of them it's truly all of them if Keanu Reeves walked into a bar and he was like who is that beautiful, smart writer over there? And, you know, it was like me and Anne. I would step aside and be like, here she is. Her name is Anne Friedman. Um, but <laughs> I, I would know. do that about any of them because that is the fun of the hypothetical celebrity crush. You know, I think that like at least in the the way that the meme works in, in our friendship is not... Um, You know, it's not that anyone has exclusive dibs on them. And I think that it's so fun to, you know, it's just so fun to me to to even, like, map out onto complete strangers (laughs) this weird, like, sexual fantasy. And I think that if I actually met any of those people in a context that was real, I would probably just, like, dissolve into the ground anyway. You know, like, none of it is real. And it not being real is what the fun is. And so... I, I feel very confident in saying that you know, I'm like, Anne, you can have any of these hypothetical celebrity crushes.
3: Wow. Yeah, I can That's have the personal interaction and and have my and be disappointed because I totally agree <laughs> with you that like, that like, I just I assume that um, anyone who we are admiring from afar, once we kind of get up close and like learn more about this person's day to day and ins and outs. I'm sorry, I know this is not the point of your delightful podcast, no. but like, you know, what? there's, there's such a thing as no too much, oh, and God,
0: yeah, and this yeah. is very much a part of the podcast, yeah. I mean, that's we, why we try to explore a lot, yeah. Of- that's why <laughs> we try
1: to avoid personal lives unless there's like a police record attached to it. Because if <laughs> you know, we don't want to see too much behind the curtain, no,
0: right? It's ugly behind the curtain, it's really disgusting. Like, people pee there, it's not, I don't ever want to. It's like you know, how on movies, like, you never see the main characters go to the bathroom. I'm like, perfect, I don't want to consider I don't want Mm -hmm. to do any of that I don't want to know what you eat for dinner I don't I don't care exactly as Nicole says like oh are you a bad person it tickled me uh that you know doing that thing of writing a person's name and kind of going problematic question mark (laughs) because men are terrible and it's a very complicated time to be fancying men it's bad it's a bad Mm. I mean it's always a bad time but it's especially bad right now
3: it's true. So I think that's the other reason why um, the idea of stepping aside to let my dear friend Aminatu, uh pursue uh, her bubble bursting love with any of these individuals is something I would also be willing to do because, you know, I don't know, when it becomes real, a different set of questions.
0: Yes. Yes, indeed. I love that. That is so philosophical.
2: Us, when it becomes real, we're like, are you still going to do that corny job you do every day? (laughs) Because I can't roll with that.
0: Have you thought about quitting music for me? You should do that. Yeah, I'm like,
2: have you have you thought about never acting ever again for me? Because that is the only way this is gonna work.
0: (laughs) And also being a house husband and doing pottery in the barn. (laughs) Have you thought
2: about that? I mean, listen, when I am when I am king, men will only be allowed to cook inside the home. You know, I'm like, your domain is here.
0: (laughs) I I sign up to this platform. I'm really ready to uh, put some weight behind this. I'm whenever you're ready, just let me know. I will be there. Street team. (laughs) Uh, i think it's time we move on to your next uh choice on uh, today's first object menu i was pleased about this because we have discussed this particular first object um with a couple other guests but only very briefly so i'm always happy to add to the discourse i am of course talking about peter dinklage Mm. yes yes (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh my God.
0: Wow, a sigh of pure lust. Tell me more.
2: Have you seen that man in APC jeans? Excuse me. <laughs> so hot. So I know, hot. But like, you cannot Google handle that.
3: Here is oh how, my God. Here is how I know that this man is on another plane for me, which is that in a large percentage of the images in his Google search results, he has a goatee. And I still am into it. Like I really like you know, white Agreed. man with a goatee is a hard, hard thing. And like oh. I think that he is—he is really there is something special going on in order to like make that work. And yeah, and I don't know what it is. I really—I'm the hair. I'm very into his hair. There's like a yes. floppy hair thing going on that I yes. love. The jawline—he has mm. the strongest jawline,
2: which to me, I'm—I'm I'm a hands and jaws girl. Um, so. Oh. The jawline is so strong. Uh, I love how he dresses. And I think also, you know, I think that I've liked every single role he's played and that also is like a huge part of it for me where, I, you know, I I like the choices that he makes uh, as an actor. And so it makes it really easy when I'm scrolling the, the, you know, the bad Daily Mail uh, right hand (laughs) column. And, you know, and I happen upon a picture of him. I'm always like, oh, yeah, I'm like this hottie. I'm into it.
1: (laughs) I think he has beautiful eyes and Mm -hmm. the the eye acting which always gets me is so it's superb with him like he is incredible with pushing whatever emotion that he is supposed to be feeling out through his eyes yes oh my god (laughs) oh he's
0: so good he's He's so charismatic as well like Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, I think to myself, just kind of like, if they gave this character no words, I'd be compelled by him anyway. And I want to go back to what Anne said about white man with a goatee, because thank you for speaking the gospel truth. Um, We are truth tellers here on this podcast. And every so often, a co prophet enters the room and delivers just a clear line. And every time I see a white man with a goatee, I'm always kind of like, but why? Why? Why do that? But Peter Dingley, is kind of like, I guess... And that is exactly correct. It is testament to his power that I'm just kind of like, ah, it's pretty bad, but you know, it's fine. What a good man, regardless. Like, I'm still into this. That is that is high. That is high level thirsting.
3: Sometimes you know the level of your attraction by what you're willing to forgive. <laughs> oh, yes, yes,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think Peter Dinklage would have to grow white man locks. He'd have to get like Ras Trent dreadlocks for me to kind of be like, all right, I'm out. But everything up to that, I'm like, eh, I can work around it. And that says so much about the level of my thirst. <laughs> even
2: with- I know, I w- you you said the dreadlocks and I was like, you know, I would like to see it. Wow. I, was like, I would like to see it. So Wow, just, you are too far. I wanna, gone. <laughs> I wanna see it before I make it I wanna see it before I make a determination. Obviously, wow. uh I will not I will never lie with uh, white dra- with white dreads, but you know, I'm just like I I it's an interesting choice for him. I might wow. forgive it. Wow. So I feel like
1: he was close in, what Thor, was it a Thor movie, an Avengers movie where he yes. like helped? When he
0: plays, yeah. Yeah. When he makes like the, 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 uh, the God killer where he makes like, yeah, the, yes. He came close. He didn't quite cross the line. but um, that's what gave me the idea of kind of like, what's going on with your hair over there? I mean, I still would, <laughs> but like, what is going on there? <laughs> <laughs> not great i i think about him and the, the role that i always point people to he's done a lot of good stuff of course but the role i always point to is the station agent because yes that yes was the first thing i saw him in and i was so drawn to like the whole performance the whole the whole film is really stellar but he in an already very good film kind of stands out i appreciate same. it same
2: yeah. same agreed agreed deep yeah. deep agree Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. and we haven't yet touched on this but I have to point out the thing that is the biggest attraction to me yes the jaw is great yes the hair is great his voice
2: I did spend some
0: time with an absolutely stunning blonde the other day mm.
1: do tell I've got every kind of filth down here except the kind I like your sister oh. yes
2: mm. yes
0: discuss class discuss yes. because I've i am already full up
2: Here's the thing. A man with a bass in his voice is always a man I am willing to hear. (laughs) Like, talk to me. And so, you know, that is everyone is superficial in their own way. But uh, your girl loves some bass in the voice.
1: He's such a commanding presence. And like he brings that voice and you're just like okay, tell me everything, please, you know, I don't know, children today don't know anything about the phone book, but read the phone book to me. I,
0: <laughs>
2: just, just, just go for it. I love the idea of, like, a 15-year-old listening to this podcast, turning to their parents, the phone book? <laughs> and then someone is that, is like, to like Facebook that to for
0: old people? And you're like, oh, Jesus. No, Facebook you know, is Facebook for old people, but the phone book is even older, young sir. Yeah.
2: I will also <laughs> confess that a thing um, that makes... Peter Dinklage very attractive to me is that he is in this category of celebrity that three quarters of the time when the paparazzi catches him, he is in some sort of domestic scene where he is either like riding a bicycle with his child or he is pushing a stroller or it's like him, Matthew Reese. There's like there's a celebrity like class of this where anytime they are photographed, you know, you're just like, oh, family person. Like, it's never at a red carpet or like at a that thing. Yeah. And I'm either like, well, either you are, you just like, you have my number and you know that Aminatou So would like to see men being fathers. <laughs> or. You know, like, you are highly inconvenienced at this moment of your life, but there's something about just seeing them in the everydayness of their life that, to me, is also really hot. It's like, okay, great. Like, you, like, clearly pick up your kids from school. You are, like, clearly, like, you are you are a present father, and I'm into this
3: Hollywood person. Yes. This fits with your men back to the kitchen agenda. You know, I'm really seeing a clear through line. <laughs> I'm like how can I how
2: can I keep a man in my house and so I you know I'm just I'm just looking out for those signs you know I said
0: what I said before was super Nigerian that was super African of you it's kind of be like can he be put to work can he be doing (laughs) some work can he do the work can you do the work (laughs) I really believe that I feel like an idle man is a waste for everybody
3: Someone like, get
0: to work, be chopping something, be cleaning something, be cooking something. Raise your children, for God's sake. And you're right. I love seeing that, too. That's very much the focus of pretty much all my fanfic. It's just kind of like, is he at home? Is he doing something useful for me or womankind in general? Then I'm into it.
1: Well, speaking of men in the kitchen being domestic, let's move on to, um, oh boy, I can't even say his name. Stanley Tucci. My God. Woo, the Tucci. The Tucci. The Tucci. Wow. This corny hot dad energy just all the way. Put me on no. the countertop, daddy. Let's go.
0: I, just,
1: <laughs> I know
2: no, I that know, I am. I hate you so much for that sentence. I know that I'm into Stanley Tucci because I would watch Devil Wears Prada as a young person and was sweating profusely. I'm like, this is not the point of the role that he is in currently. So the fact that that was like that energy was coming through for me. But, you know, it's it's the same thing with me. I'm like a man that is frequently, um, you know, uh, photographed in front of a pizza oven. Um, yeah. and also literally I like hot his,
3: literally yeah, like literally,
2: literally <laughs> hot um, also wears jeans in a way that I really approve of um, <laughs> you know and I like his like little domestic situation I was like okay your co-star set you up with her sister who's a woman with a real job I am super into men um, like famous men who are married to civilian women who I think are smart and so that is also part of it I was like okay good you like make good choices in life
3: mm-hmm. thank you Mm-hmm. Uh, to take a to take a recent uh, Stanley anecdote Stan anecdote, if you will, um, <laughs> the the semi you're, fi- you're, you you're, you're fired you're fired you're fired you're fully fired <laughs> the semi viral uh, Stanley Tucci shows you how to make a Negroni video. Yes. I feel Ooh. like is my equivalent of your seeing. Like men be good parents, where I'm just like, oh, this is how I want to put you to work. I do want you to make me a cocktail on a back patio. And like, this is a role you could certainly fill for me. What are you going to make me?
1: A Negroni. Mm. Would you like one?
3: I would love one.
1: Great. Do you mind if I get my wine? No. Thanks. I have it. How are you? And I'm back. All right. So, a
2: Negroni.
1: Um, but we're gonna make
3: it anyway, tomorrow. I just, there's something about that that really hit. Uh, yeah, the way I want to be served by a beautiful man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
2: I just also, I like a bald man. Like, I think that men who really who like really lean into their baldness instead of having insecurities about not having hair. Like, I think it's so hot because it just says to me that they are confident. And I have always loved a man who is proudly bald. So that is just, you know, I'm like 10 out of 10, you are going straight into the spank bank and that's great.
0: You just live there permanently. Like I have a dream. Oh, wow, that's a very lofty sentence. But I have not
2: dream. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Luther Bim out here hey! with the thirst. <laughs> um,
0: that one day I will meet Stanley Tucci and he will present me with a drink. We know the kind that you can hear the ice clinking in the glass. Mm. And he'll do it with his trademark twinkle in his eye. And it'll be like we had a, we had a joke that nobody else knows. Like Stanley Tucci invites intimacy. I just... Everything about him, to me, is just kind of like this knowing, wise, deeply kind person that I am so drawn to. Again, I know this is all projecting. He has the corniest job of life. He's an actor, obviously. (laughs) But I believe him. Like, part of the reason why he is so good in these roles where he's a supportive dad or a supportive husband or a really wonderful friend or whatever. So much of that, I think, is down to the projection that he so effortlessly just kind of gives you you think to yourself huh i think i can trust this guy and i don't feel that way about many people let alone actors of all people but i look at stanley and i'm like i bet i could tell you some of my insecurities and I, you wouldn't go blabbing like we'd be able to talk about how you know how i'm feeling
2: he's such a good actor he has you fooled in your real life that's amazing <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's skill that's talent and that's hot I lo- I could talk about Stanley Tucci all the live long day. And I know that he's got a new movie that apparently they finished. It's him and it's Colin Firth, and they play a long term couple. Oh, right. Yeah. And I'm kind of like injected it. injected. It. Like mm. I'm ready. Put it inside my eyes. Like I want to see it. I'm so ready.
2: Wow, Colin Firth. Colin Firth, a controversial thirst figure in my life. But yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Mm. Yeah, Colin Firth doesn't um, rock my world.
2: But you know. It's because you didn't watch
0: him as Mr. Darcy at an impressionable age. So so that's
2: the problem. I watched him as Mr. Darcy at an impressionable age. And you felt nothing? And it's when I knew that I was different from the other women I was friends with because wow. he was like, you have bewitched me, body and soul. And everyone was melting into the couch. I'm like, Mr. Darcy is bad. Bring back Mr. Bingley. And wow. so, I, you know, I'm just telling you, Mr. Darcy was kind of a gaslighter and I'm not into it.
0: Okay. So, at end of interview. Thank you so much for spending your
2: time. <laughs> My book is called Big Friendship. Please buy it. Goodbye. <laughs>
0: Let's, say Gwen, let's talk about Big Friendship um, so yes. your book it comes out I mean first of all amazing salesmanship there you were yeah. like alright well peace out uh, Big Friendship <laughs> just, amazing let's, let's, let's pull that back let's pull that back um, tell us
3: tell us a little bit about your book Big Friendship please and and Aminatou <laughs> So the book is a memoir of all of the men we've collectively thirsted. No, I'm just kidding. The book, um, <laughs> the, big thirst trip. Hey, that's the <laughs> big sequel. thirst trap. Our next book, yeah. Exactly.
0: Can't wait. As long as we're in the acknowledgments, I'm good.
3: Uh, um, yeah. So the book is uh, a memoir about our more than decade-long friendship, um, but really, it's also about long-term friendships in general. And we really wanted to elevate the kind of close friendship that we have to a place of prominence and importance that, um, you know, like a lot of people think only belongs to marriage or family. Um, when we looked at our lives, we were like, friends are in that kind of core, supportive, long term um deeply important category too and so the book is really about how to shift our expectations from friendship is the easy part of life where nothing ever goes wrong and nothing's ever difficult to friendship is a relationship that you know with a little bit of luck maybe but like a lot of investment can can sustain you for the long term so I don't know that is that's the gist of it there's a lot of other twists and turns in there.
0: What I like is that at the beginning of the book, you kind of lay out um, the difference, like why you went for big friendship as a sort of moniker for the kind of relationship that you have. And you said BFF isn't quite it, but this feels like it. Can you talk a little bit about the different tiers and why big friendship felt like the thing that you defined your friendship as?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that in part of writing the book and the reason that we chose to write it in one voice and not have dueling chapters or, you know, like my perspective and then Anne's perspective is really that we were trying to come to a common truth about our friendship, but also we are trying to to find language and vocabulary and labels for things that... I think we all have a really good emotional feel for, but not necessarily, um, you know, like we don't necessarily have a way of talking about it. And so, Um, And so you're right, like, you know, we write that like BFF and Bestie and Best Friend, there is something about that, that I I have used those labels, I have used them, I will continue to use them in my life. But there is something about them that just felt really easy and a little bit infantilizing, kind of like friends that you make at camp or the friends that you made in college. And, um, you know, we're women in our mid 30s, uh, who will be women in our mid, you know, like 100s, hopefully one day. (laughs) Um, you know, or a little less, but there is just a way of I speaking for myself, at least like I was really struggling with, um, you know, what is the, what is the difference between, um, a BFF or a bestie and that tier and this relationship that I'm trying to talk about. The other thing that is true is that, you know, with BFF or bestie or best friend, there is also an expectation that only one person fits that category in your life, you know, and, mm. um, and the kind of relationship and the kind of friendship that we're talking about, um, I think that if people are are big and expansive in what their friendships look like, at least for me and Anne, um, there are more than one people that fit that for us. You know, like Anne is my best friend. I have other best friends, and um, and so finding a word or like some sort of category that really encompasses that. And I think that what the idea that we're really trying to get at is that. Um, In order for us to move as a society to a place where, you know, people really bring rom-com energy to their friendships, like we write about, is that we need to start having a bigger vocabulary and more precision about what it is that we're talking about. And so Mm -hmm. the book really is an invitation to have a conversation about friendship. We lay out how we are doing our friendship and... And the part of the reason that we had to do it that way is because we didn't really have guides, you know, no one mm-hmm. else. I, I'm just so curious about how everyone else does friendship, right. because I think that the key to me being a better friend and a better person in my community in general really lies in figuring that out.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I appreciated about the book is the way that you talk about there is no real um way for people to talk about friendship without using romantic language um to explain it and so you 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 address that head on. You're like, no, this was not anything romantic or sexual. It was just our friendship was immediate. And I know that I have definitely been one of those people. When I read some of those personal essays um, in the last five years, where a one woman is upset that her best friend now has a different life and has moved on, and she talks about it in such a way that I'm like, well, you're clearly in love with your best friend, and just just come out and say that, you know. But now I'm seeing that obviously, there's levels of friendship that I am not familiar with, like this kind of intimacy is foreign to me, which then has me rethinking all of my friendships in the way that I was taught that same sex friendships should be. So can you talk about um, that and like trying to figure out what's the best language to use to describe an immediate friendship um, um, without confusing it for romance or sex?
3: Uh, this is such um, a, a deep question. I mean, I we, we did some interviews with experts who, there are very few of them, but we did some interviews with experts who study this. And one thing that um, a researcher told us is that attraction is attraction is attraction. So, you know, if you and I meet and hit it off as, as friends, um, that underlying feeling is like kind of the same as when you meet someone and feel like a a butterfly that maybe you later interpret as sexual. Like the very initial feeling um, is, is the same across all these things like that. I want to connect with someone further. And then it's really what we do with that feeling that turns it into, Oh, is this the beginning of a relationship or, Oh, do I want to sleep with this person or, um, or do we want to be friends? And I think um, that, that idea that it's like all of these important relationships kind of have the same root and then everything that happens later is determined by all these individual things um, is something that really spoke to us, but also a reason why we wanted to keep the lens focused on our friendship to kind of say like, you know, as you say, not everyone has that experience of being in a friendship that is this kind of intimate and long running and, Um, really being able to kind of explore the ins and outs of ours. Um, We're hoping that other people can, you know, not, not sort of say, oh, I, I need to have something like that, but to, to more empower people who, who already feel that to kind of see it through. And also just like, who knows, like presenting it as a possibility that like, Hey, you can meet someone and develop this kind of friendship that will sustain you in a way we've been taught only romantic relationships will like, maybe that will change things for people too.
1: Um, So we are all content creators of some sort, and you kind of talk about the dangers or the concerns that you had when you started the podcast, when you wrote about Shine Theory and how that was exposing parts of your friendship to the world that maybe you didn't really want out there. Can you um, talk also about... How did you feel about monetizing your friendship basically and like the pressure to monetize your friendship because I feel like a lot of people have that right now in the same way that every interracial couple suddenly has a YouTube channel right and they're talk they're monetizing <laughs> their interracial relationship and 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 their babies so can you talk about the boundaries that you have set up for yourselves in order to make sure we don't have to share every single thing. We don't have to make money about, uh, you know, on every part of our relationship.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting even hearing you ask the question that way because I think that um, when when Anne and I started doing this podcast with our friend Gina Delvac, started doing Call Your Girlfriend six years ago, there was not really a model for um, a podcast is a thing that you monetize, you know, like I think that it, it had truly like not occurred to us that that was, that was something that we could do, or that we realized that that's what we were unwittingly the road that we had we were going down. And I think that um, you're really touching on something that I have been I have been like thinking about a lot for myself, and I think a lot about in this relationship that I have with Anne also about you start off doing something that you think is private, and you open it up to the world, and um, you don't really think through all the implications. And some of that is being naive, but some of it is also that, um, you know, the world changes when we, when Anne wrote about Shine Theory in 2012, 2013, she wrote it for a column in New York Magazine. Um, and it you know, like her job is being a columnist. She every week has to come up with these like amazing ideas. I'm her number one reader. I want to read everything she writes. I was like, great. Like a thing that is a thing that is in our friendship you can write about publicly, If we had been, um, you know, the savvy people that we are in 2020, we would have probably sat down and said, oh, um, actually, you are sharing a private conversation that we're having with the world. And so um, that means that our relationship is now exposed in a way that we might not really know how to deal with. And so I think that I really want to make the distinction between um, a thing that happened to people who were in media or media adjacent that unwittingly kind of became these public, you know, like content creators and this other very different job that exists now, where you can just like from the bat like monetize whatever the thing is that you are doing, right? Where you can be like, okay, um, me and my uh, me and my swirl relationship are going to start a YouTube channel. Those things are. Thank you for bringing that up because I'm obsessed with those YouTube uh, channels. So we will exchange links later. <laughs> they are
0: so weird. So I know. Weird. Some,
2: I had to let someone use my YouTube account the other day, and I was burning with shame that they were seeing all of the channels. <laughs> I was subscribed to. It's like, this is for research. I'm an internet person. Please don't judge me. But anyway, back to, the, back to your question. I think that, you know, that is um, the experience that, you know, you two have and the experience that Anne and I have as people who get to do our job in public mm-hmm. is not the same that, um, you know, most friends who don't have a podcast together or don't have, um, you know, don't run a business together do not have. But I think that the pressure is, is the same it's like what happens to your relationship if you are not able to talk about um in public things that you are struggling with privately or vice versa you know and I think that that is I think that that is a very kind of modern conundrum and that we did not come at this at um you know in this very calculated way I think if we had we would have made different and better choices frankly (laughs) but um it, you know, it's it's a thing that people in media have to contend with. And, yeah. um, you know, and I think that we are still contending with that.
0: Yeah, like Nicole and I often chat about how it's a weird thing where people think what they, they think they know our friendship and they also think that we are friends, like with them. <laughs> and it's a very, it's a very weird thing because podcasting in particular is such an intimate um medium and I think hearing people directly in your ears and you know the cadence of their speech and how they laugh and what makes them laugh to an to an extent anyway. I think it makes people kind of form a very kind of like strong bond and oftentimes people will reply to Nicole and I saying something about us and we're kind of like that's not true. Right. Yeah. Like where did you get that from? And it's kind of like oh because you said on the podcast and I'm like friend we are we are very much performing on the pot like it's true. But we are also, they are such separate, like, you know, I, I find it really, I, I try not to, for example, on Twitter, I, tr- I try my best not to at people when I'm replying. I'm like, just send them a text. Like, if you're my friend, you have my number, we'll text. <laughs> because you at someone in public and then strangers jump in and I'm like, no, 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 no. What are you doing here? <laughs> like, I want to jump into, like, friends chatting. So now I'm kind of like, all right, well, remove the temptation. Because otherwise people kind of feel entitled to a certain slice of a kind of friendship. And it's a very difficult thing where you're kind of like, this thing is us, but this is us in private. Like, it's still us, but it's also not fully us. And that's like, like you said, it's a very modern conundrum of trying to figure out where those lines are and trying to kind of be like, wait, if I say this out loud, I might inadvertently selling something or or putting something in a way that I don't want to because then it becomes a thing that people you know people will literally sometimes email oh I saw your tweet to Nicole and I thought and I'm like oof okay no 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 I shouldn't I should have texted her that or whatever Mm -hmm. and that's like like you said it's a constantly you're always thinking about what's the better way to do this so that I can keep doing my job but also I have my friendship that is very important to me in a very different context outside of the job that we do together as well
1: and with your friendship, you talked about I really liked um, the trap door, like that moment where you realize the, re- the relationship is changing. There was this incident and the relationship kind of changed for you. And you talked about getting it back and going to counseling um, for the two of you as friends. Can you talk about that, the experience of going to couples counseling as friends and how that has benefited you?
3: Uh, I think many things happened within our friendship during a certain period where we were just missing each other again and again, like, you know, in some little ways, in some bigger ways. And um, it sort of like got to this point where we both felt like we were working on it or we both were feeling like we were making overtures and the other person was not receiving them or not reading them that way. And we, we had this moment, this conversation where we were like, we need another adult in the room. <laughs> like, We need someone to interrupt like, the fact that we keep missing each other and someone to kind of force us to be in dialogue in a different way. And, um, and it felt uh, very weird and extravagant to say we are going to <laughs> therapy as friends. Um, it, it was definitely a financial privilege to be able to do that. Um, but I, I think that, you know, we both... We both just knew that we didn't want to let the friendship end with without doing everything we could to fix it, and this was just something we hadn't tried that we wanted to try. Um, and I, am really, I'm really grateful that we were both um, willing and able to show up and do it because that's the only the only reason we can sit here and have an honest conversation with you about it, frankly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that Anne is saying. You know, down to the. Um, like how just extravagant and and frankly weird it feels to say, you know, I I've been in my own individual therapy forever, and I can shout about that on every rooftop. Anytime someone says, "So you went to therapy with your friend," I again, I'm like, "Who are you talking to? Me? Like <laughs> me?" It, it's so weird, you know. And I think that back to the question that you asked about the trapdoor, which is this concept that we got from um, the writer and critic Wesley Morris, that is you know, essentially like, uh, an incident that happens in, uh, interracial friendship. And in this case, like between a black person and a white person where, uh, you feel that the rug is pulled out from under you. It's never something really dramatic. It really is a like, oh yeah, there's a, there's a white person and there's a black person in this friendship and we are experiencing life in very different ways. Um, you know, we write about that a lot because, Unlike a lot of other conflicts that can happen in uh, in in any kind of relationship, race is always happening in the world. You know, like it is a threat that does not have to come from within your relationship. Uh, it just exists. There are we live in a world that is structurally racist, and um, there is no matter of me and Anne being people who are able to talk about, you know, race when it happens on the news, or we are able to talk about structural racism when it happens at work or when Anne sees it, it doesn't mean that um, race is not something that can cause pain in our own friendship. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was like one way that we had been really just missing each other and was also something that even years into our friendship, we had not been able to talk about. And, um, you know, and, and and talking about it really is not like, hi, how is my friend? Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not in the plot of Get Out. Anna's not some sort of like a, you know, it's not
0: She's a, not trying to harvest the Al- eyes?
2: Yeah, she's not Allison Williams in the scenario, but there is like the, tr- there is the truth of just like, it is hard and it is painful to live in a white world and to be intimate with white people. Like that mm-hmm. is something that is just, um, it is true no matter who your uh, white person that you are intimate with is, right? And so I think that- I, um, I'm i really glad that we were able to write about it in the book because it really manifests itself in these like small and quiet ways as opposed to like the big You know, I was like, if your friend is like shows up at a KKK rally, great. You could just cut them out of your life. I was like, that is beautiful. I was like, we don't even need to talk about this. But if it is like a smaller incident that really forces both of you to reexamine like, oh, this is actually present in our friendship. And funny enough, we've been friends for many, many years and we've never actually talked about racism between the two of us. Mm -hmm. That is like a very different dance to have, and I think that it really required for both of us to be um, to be flexible and to be nimble, and also, you know, the truth is that um, racism is always going to exist in our friendship and in the world. And how do we actually, how are we going to deal with it? And I think that, um, you know, it it was like really rewarding to talk to other people who really understand this dynamic. And um, you know, and to put it part of, a, and to make it part of a conversation that you have about friendship, because friendship really is a site of politics.
0: Yeah, and uh, that is actually a fantastic uh, full circle because friendship, like first, is about. <laughs> it's, it really is about that. It's about politics. It's about. It's about a sort of showing up and uh, and un- fundamentally about communication. I feel like. People often kind of think desire is just like, oh, here's a thing that I'm doing. It's like, no, it's a thing that you are participating in. Like you have to, there are so many levels to it. And if you engage with one or the other, it's to the detriment of what you are talking about. So it's kind of like, sometimes you don't want to think about it. And essentially what Thursday Kit is trying to do is kind of like, no, you should be thinking about it. Why? Why are these the, why are these the options why is it that we have been told to fancy corny people like musicians and actors? Let's talk about that, right? <laughs> and How do we kind of carve out space to make it make sense? And I think that is essentially, that's what I like about the book. It's like this idea of kind of like, all your life you were told that you meet someone, you gel and that's it, you're set. And it's kind of like, actually, it's so much more complex. And just because we don't have terms to talk about, it doesn't mean it's not there. And I, I say this as someone who moved around a lot as a child. I know, Aminati, mean, you also have like lived all over the place. And I often wonder about my ability to form friendships um, as an adult because I never understood that I could do that until somewhere in my mid-20s, many years ago. And like some of my best friends, people in that tier now, are people that I met within the last 10, 15 years in a way that I never thought would be possible And Nicole is one of those people um, where we were, you know, we became friends, and then we were like, "Hey, should we should we do a podcast? Oh, let's (laughs) let's do that." And that became this thing, and I just love this idea of friendship kind of spilling out in all these different ways. Um, But essentially, it's fundamentally this thing of like this person uh, and I could have something, and that's like, are we going to explore this, or we are? Let's let's. And part of that is having to kind of essentially show up and do the work that makes your friendship keep going
1: yes so I want to ask you to let's say you're in your 80s right and you're going to get together on a villa somewhere what does that look like for you like what would you like to see those beautiful golden years look like
3: for your friendship we have not gone back to wearing bras that's for sure
0: (laughs) 24-7, kaftan
3: heaven. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, Stanley Tucci's making us a cocktail. Yes. Like, Peter Dinklage is grooming his goatee nearby. <laughs> like, we are, <laughs> we, are, we are braless and on some, like, very comfortable lounge chairs with a stack of books. Like, I don't know. That's just for starters.
0: Love it. What a vision.
2: I mean,
3: I'm definitely wearing this exact same
2: mimo. <laughs> like that is that's a fact. I you know, I'm I'm so glad that you're asking this question because for me it's such a barometer of like the longevity of friendships. Like I don't I don't have a fantasy in which I'm like, "Hmm, I'm 85 years old and my spouse is there or whatever." I just like never grew up having that fantasy. Um but the fantasy of I am 85 years old You know, like I'm at some nursing home somewhere because my children are ungrateful (laughs) and (laughs) throw me out on the street. Um, (laughs) But, you know, like the person, the people that I always think about at the like that I want at the end of my life, those people have always been my friends, you know. And so I think that I like that is just what friendship is. It's like a series of reassurances that you will be there tomorrow. You'll be there next week. You'll be there the next year and you know and for all of us i want that i was like i want to be in our 80s and we are wearing flowing caftans but really i just want to be there and we're there together you know because that is the real that is the real test and that is the real victory and i'm just really um i feel really lucky that that is something that i am now i have come to understand is going to take a lot of work and is going to take a lot of communication and it Mm -hmm. means that i can start doing that now
0: that's lovely
2: that's beautiful
0: that is the perfect place to end this. Uh, Anna Naminati, where can we find you on the internet and other places?
2: Um, you can find me at Peter Dinklage's house. Um, <laughs> but sometimes I live at Tunde Adebimpe's house. Nice, um,
0: nice. It's a work You um,
2: have a timeshare, yeah. Time <laughs> I'm, share, sitting on, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting on Matthew Reese's stoop, but Sarah Paulson will let me stay at her house. Nice. Um, I'm just, like, naming all the people I have crushes on. Um... You can find us at BigFriendship.com, where
3: uh, everything Big Friendship lives. And you can listen to our podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, uh, in whatever app you use to listen to to this very podcast, actually. Yeah.
1: Ben, what a lovely conversation
0: that was. I mean, I love chatting to friends. I'd forgotten the joy of close friendship when it's being discussed as not just like a thing that happens but a thing that you actively work at right and that
1: was something that you know reading the book and talking to them I realized that maybe that's just something that I had overlooked like how much work goes into a committed friendship and you know examining the way that we talk about friendships in order to I hate to say it, but to normalize that there is intimacy between friends, you know? yes,
0: and, yeah, and the kind of intimacy that perhaps isn't necessarily always explored in culture. Mm-hmm. Like it's not necessarily on TV or in films, but like I really, I feel like there's been a, like an essentializing of like what female friendship looks like, and you have to be sitting in the bath. Holding your friend's hand, eating a cupcake while they talk about their abortion. Right. Like that's how it has to be. And it's like right. or or there are all these other ways to be like I think a lot about our friendship and how we met online and then met in person and in a weird way, like it was just a continuation. But I also think that we didn't name the work that we were doing, but it was there. And talking with Aminatu and Anne today, it's just kind of like, Oh yeah. Sometimes you don't add you don't you don't you don't say what it is, but it's there.
1: Right. And I just really appreciated the idea of doing away with ranking friends. And, you know, yes. this is my best friend and this one's my bestie. And this, like, yeah. I just want everybody to be my good friends, you know? Exactly. like You know, the people in my circle, we're just all good friends. And on different exactly. levels, maybe. On different
0: levels. But also, there. like, you know, like Anne was saying, at the end of my life, like, I, I see myself surrounded by so many friends. And that, to me, feels like the core of that whole book and the core of their friendship and hopefully the core of many friendships i I mean one of my favorite things is hearing people talk about how they listen to the show with their besties or their friends or their big friendship person or their whomever Mm -hmm. and it's like yes correct because guess what it's me and my friend making a podcast so actually it should be received (laughs) by friends you know what i mean yes exactly i love that I i love that yeah Ugh
1: Thank you to Amanatu So and Aunt Freeman for coming on the show and talking to us about their podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, which I hope everyone is already subscribed to. If not, get on that. <laughs> um, make sure you check out their book that's out now called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close.
0: You can find out more about Big Friendship at bigfriendship.com. And the book also has its own Twitter, which is very fancy, at big underscore friendship. Thursday Kit is a Slate production produced by Sher Vincent and us, Bim Adewunmi and Nicole Perkins. Our music is by Tanya Morgan.
1: You can follow the show on Twitter at Thursday Kit. Plus we're on Tumblr at ThursdayKitPodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us questions there
0: and we'll try our best to get to it, but sometimes we just can't. If you live tweet your listen, please use the hashtag TAKPOD. That's T-A-K-P-O-D. And please also feel free to send us emails about how much you love us and everything we do. Just make sure you send that to ThirstAidKid at Slate.com. You can also make use
1: of our Thirst Sommelier service. Just send us a short, and we mean short, short, short voice note via email. Once again, that address is ThirstAidKid
0: at Slate.com. We'll be back next week. First, responsibly, but also just be responsible in general. That means wear your mask, wash your hands, and be a good citizen. Bye. Bye.